Left. Right. What is going on? This is the first episode in a series about America being broken and how we might fix it. Today we're talking about immigration and border security. Listen on, let me know what you think, share your opinions in the comments, and I'll see you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. That long pour concludes uh, our intro music. My name is Justin DiGiulio. This is Sip Talk, episode 201. I am joined by James, the Bosnator Boswell out of Charleston, South Carolina. James is a philosopher, a retired professional referee. What, what else is it that you do, James? Uh, former bartender and part-time accountant. And, uh, and perfect, most exciting of all, accountant. Tonight, we are joined by special guest Larry Holter out of Brooklyn, yeah? You're in Brooklyn, Larry? Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn, Larry, yeah. Uh, Larry is a business owner. He's a real estate agent in New York City. He's got uh, over a decade in the business. Also, real estate brokerage owner in Texas. Larry brings a unique perspective Texas. As, a, uh, as a Texan to the podcast tonight. Tonight, we're talking about how to fix the United States, what's wrong with the United States. And tonight we're going to get part started. Part one in a multi, multi-part series. <laughs> Providing we feel like continuing to talk about it. But tonight we're talking about immigration. And I think having Larry on, especially tonight, with your perspective coming out of Texas. How long have you been in New York? Larry? So I've been up on the East Coast, you know, off and on, uh, about maybe going on two years already. Um, but I say off and on because, you know, since I own the brokerages, I do travel back and forth between Texas. And this is just recently since June, I've decided to be full time here in New York. Okay. Yeah. So we met about a year ago, I feel like yeah, in the, right. in the Manhattan office, uh, of the real estate brokers that we, that we're both agents at. And, right. uh, and, and now you're here kind of full time. You're living in Brooklyn for the most part, obviously right. you still travel a little bit. And uh, tell us a little bit about your credentials. Did I miss anything? I mean, no, pretty much, you know, that's it. I, I've, you know, been uh, in Texas. I've been a board of director for, you know, local associations. I've sat, uh, you know, three-year positions. I've been appointed to the state of Texas on a commercial com uh, committee. And there's 25 realtors appointed to this position. It's a two-year position. And I was one of the 25 out of the entire state of Texas that was appointed. And pretty much what we did is we oversaw a lot of legislative issues that were coming up and checking to see how property owners, business owners were going to be affected by any changes that might get, uh, you know, passed through legislation and whatnot. 
Okay, I don't think we do that in New York at all. I know they do that in New Jersey, but I've never heard of any New York state law that has real estate agents on the board that's overseeing these laws. Yeah, so well, you, you got do, lobby groups. You, you have you lobby groups. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and you do. Yeah, you're right. I'm sure that there's a political action committee somewhere, in, you know, within a local organization. And, and by the way, NAR, National Association of Realtors, it's, it's national. So every state is going to have, you know, a state level, which is, you know, in Texas, it's the Texas Association of Realtors or Texas Realtors now because they're always changing things. So National Association of Realtors, Texas Realtors, and then it goes all the way down to the local association, which in, in my case, I sat on the Greater McAllen uh, Association of Realtors. And through those boards, sitting on those boards, you partook in, you know, any kind of political action or anything like that that you chose to sit on uh, and oversee and independent if you went on to a state level, which is what I did. Very cool. And now you're and now you're up here. So I got to ask you, you're in Brooklyn. They say New Yorkers drink more. Uh, I'm curious. You're joining us for Sip Talk. What do you have there as your beverage? Okay, so um, I don't know if New Yorkers drink more than Texans because, you know, <laughs> that's a, that's that's a whole other topic. But tonight I've actually got some vodka and some um, cranberry um, ginger ale. Cranberry ginger ale and vodka. Yeah. I got to ask yeah. you, what's your what's your choice vodka? Um, I like Tito's. I mean, who doesn't? It's essence, right? And I'm sure that everybody around the United States States likes Tito's, right? Right. So uh, I keep wrong with that, you know. All right, terrific, James. What do you have to drink down there in sunny South Carolina? Bush Ice. We're back right. on a budget. <laughs> spent a lot uh, of money in San Diego. Spent a lot of money on a couple other things recently. So we are back to bargain basement beer. All right, great. I got a nice glass of uh, Dewar's, and uh, we're going to get started. So we're talking about immigration. And when we talk about immigration, we, we're generally implying uh, border control. Agreed? Not necessarily. Well, the no, that's just a part around, of it. The conversation around immigration, I feel like, is border control. Now, I, I feel like one political party focuses on border patrol more. And that's, well, that's where I was kind of going with it. If you mentioned immigration 10 years ago, pre-Trump, border control wouldn't have been the focus of that conversation and, well, you and know, we're almost getting away from it with kind of Ukrainians and, and, you know, we have people seeking asylum from other places and we've always had that, but during the Trump era, it was Mexican U S border. And well, do you know why that is? It, it's a really dumb reason actually. So when Trump was on the campaign trail in 2016, um, do you know why he said build the wall so often? I'm, I'm, I'm curious your perspective I'm curious. on this. This is not my perspective. This is reported news. <laughs> um, is his, advi his campaign advisors knew his capacity to ramble and go off topic. And so in his rallies and debate prep and everything else, one thing that they hammered into him was like, Hey, this whole build the wall thing plays well with your base. So like whenever you feel like you're starting to lose focus on whatever you're saying, just find a way to get back to saying build the wall. So it was something that they trained into him to keep him on point or on on topic whenever he was giving speeches. 
And that's why he said it so frequently is because he's just like, oh, let's stay on topic. What do I say? Oh, yeah, build the wall. All right. So I want to I want to get into I want to dig into the wall. Uh, and and Larry, you were in Texas. So we're in New York. We have we're like nowhere in any proxy. Well, I am James in South Carolina. We're both equally as far from any potential wall effectively. Yeah. And we talk about the wall. Mostly we're talking about the Texas Mexico border. Obviously, there's other states that border the area. But when you have the hardcore red states that are pro wall, from my New York perspective, I obviously think Texas. I'm curious your thoughts on the wall being a Texan. Okay, so it's so funny because, you know, I grew up on the border. Uh, I grew up in, you know, the real Grandy Valley, which if you know anything about, if it's ever, ever had any mention, Elon Musk has done sex in Brownsville, Texas, in Chica, okay? So you know where, where Boca Chica is, correct? You know where, I'm sorry, you know where, where um, Elon built SpaceX. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of it, right? Texas, way down, far down south, okay? So I've seen the border wall, and, and you know, I, I taught my daughter to drive along the edge of the border wall. You know, that's how, like, that's how crazy it is. The border wall, it's, it's, it's gone up in patches, and I say patches because there are some portions already up, and yet you can drive maybe about five miles and come just to empty fields, no wall, no nothing. So it's not a completely built concept. And the other thing about this border wall is it's so simple to climb and so simple to go over. However, I wish I would have known that we would have had this topic. I could have thrown some photos in here with some videos of my daughter literally driving past this border wall. So what it is is you've got these iron, you know, these iron beams that straight up parallel like this, right? And of course, you've got the footings and, and whatnot. But there's space between these these beams. I mean, you can easily pass a toddler through it. You could easily pass a small teenager. You know, whatever. So, um, you know, I, I, granted, I haven't gone up to touch it and to look at it. I'm not really interested in it, but um, I'm real familiar with it. I also know that it affected a lot of property owners there. Um, now, is it functional? Is it really doing what it's meant to do? Absolutely not. No, it's not. So it's, it, what do you mean meant to do? It's meant to keep people out or it's meant to be intimidating or it's meant to send signals to the U.S.? It was meant to keep out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was keep, you know, foreign nationals out. So, and that's not what it's doing. I mean, if anything, just this real um, eyesore that, you know, kind of goes up uh, into the sky. It's built on private land from property owners. And, you know, it's, let me ask I don't you, understand the purpose of it, you know, and it's let me not ask functional. Are there along the border you say eyesore i think of like when i'm driving down the highway in, in new jersey or even through new york and you have those big barrier walls that kind of protect the residential neighbors from the sound do you have residential areas that are that close to the wall that close to the border no in texas no or is it kind really. of barren, barren no. wasteland like i imagine it uh <laughs> well it's more even the areas like, that are urban that are on the border yeah, it's a lot of farmland. It's a 
a lot of, you know, farmers, a lot of ranchers, that kind of thing. It's not necessarily barren, but yeah, I mean, you, to some degree, it's it's ranch land, you know, and, and farmers. You do have crops, oh. corn fields, uh, cotton fields, all the way up to the wall. Now, do these people... But realize, realize Justin and, and James, the wall is right on the border. The wall is built miles, you know, my, like, you know, a half a mile, whatever, away from the actual border. It's not I didn't know that right at on all. the water edge of the Rio Grande River. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. I assume I assume that it was actually right along the border. That that would have made the most sense to me. In some places it is. Yeah. Here, let yeah. Me, Larry, you let don't me, have another you don't have another microphone or something? Maybe you have uh, you have headphones, Apple Air AirPods, or something like that 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 might uh, might help with the audio. James, I see that you must be searching the. Majority. I'm looking at a map. I'm looking at a map of the border. Larry, we can't hear you. By the way. Um. um all right. Well, let's let's talk about because there's when it comes to immigration. While Larry sorts his his audio out. Like, sure, you've got border control and kind of controlling who comes in and out of this country, but you also have the barriers that exist to legal immigration. So if you're talking about people trying to cross the border without going through like proper channels or whatever, sure, that's illegal immigration. But there's a lot of problems with legal immigration right now, too, namely being able to actually like complete the process in any reasonable amount of time well let's i want to get there in a minute i want to talk a little bit more about illegal immigration before we get to the aspects of trying to get citizenship or become or be here legally on a visa Uh, larry you you there because we we can yeah we're not hearing larry um well i think one thing about illegal immigration that needs to be mentioned is the narrative that's put forward politically is that these that these illegal immigrants are criminals and bad people when in reality really the only crime that they they committed was like the illegal entry to the country but you have to think why are these people trying to come here and i'm not saying that none of them are criminals but the vast majority of them are coming to this country to either escape bad conditions in their own country or 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 to seek better economic opportunities in this country. Would you agree? Well, well I would agree, but I'm not see- but again, I'm so removed. And that's why I want Larry to get his audio straight so we can so we can hear his perspective on this. But I'm in New York and I get a lot more narrative and I assume that if you're crossing the Mexico US border into the u.s and you make it to new york you've you know you've kind of surpassed the majority of the other immigrants just kind of traveling 1500 miles or you know 2000 miles whatever whatever that distance is so so you're i assume there's a lot more immigrants than the ones that make their way up to new york yeah well you know new york's got a really substantial immigration immigrant population yeah yeah well i i think uh I think Larry's going to refresh over here. Um, so, but, uh, I mean, that's the thing about New York is that we have these fresh immigrants that are new to the U.S., but also the laws that protect the illegal immigrants. 
And I don't know necessarily that that's a net positive in terms of the country, in terms of the economy, in terms of, you know, however you want to, however you want to break that down. Larry, you just want to refresh your page and, and pop back in. And, all right. Sounds like that's what he's doing. Um, well, do you know what I'm saying? Like, they, well, they, let me they, ask you this question. They don't bring much value to the system until they become legal. I would argue against that, actually. Because if you're an illegal immigrant, you're still like, let's assume that you're working in this country as an illegal immigrant. Somehow you've been able to get employment. So you're still, yeah, it's better. You're still, you're producing something. So you're helping this country's economy out by, by laboring. And you're also spending money in this country and stimulating the economy by making purchases and, and those are two positive things. Like, those are two positive things. What I'm saying is it a net positive or a net negative? Larry, you want to catch up? Catch up because I know you weren't able to talk for the last two and a half minutes. Yeah, actually, I, I do want to say a couple of things about this because I, uh, on the border and uh, I do a lot of international um, representation for you know foreigners, international clients from Mexico. And, and James is, is correct. There's, there's several different aspects of looking at this the right way that has, you know, and um, then there are people that do end up dropping out of their, you know, their uh, obligation, legal obligation, whether it's maintaining those or they got to do it. Just don't do it again. And so oh, this audio is there. Uh, what do you call it? I think it's. I think it's bad internet. Mm. So uh, let's, let's hit this comment really quick. I don't know, but can you guys, so can they, you guys uh, more or less make out what I'm saying? Okay, so let, let me go on on what I'm saying, and hopefully you guys can pick this up. And let me explain why I'm saying what I'm saying. Um, representing the clients that I represent, they're working on their EB4s, EBs. They're bringing in some boat money to be able to get those visas, to be able to get that residency in the United States. Now, they're able to bring in X amount of family members to come in. Along, it's technically supposed to be work. You provide, you get a visa. But when you get that visa, you're able to bring in, you know, your your daughters, your, you know, your father, your mother, whatever it is. Cousins slip in the line, uncles and aunts slip in there as well. Also what happens is some of these, they get the EB1s because they're gonna come and they're gonna work for the individual that has that EB5. So now I'm gonna get an EB1 that allows me to work in the United States, okay? Visa, um, they knew that visa, they kind uh, on that and they stay in the United they're landlocked, if you will. They're locked in the United States because they know that if they go back to Mexico, they're never going to be allowed back in the United States because they were supposed to follow protocol in case to get that done. Right? Which they violated. Yeah. Two, I have seen women, a lot of women from Mexico on the border, send their children across the border every day to the American school system. They come right into the United States. 
they stick around and have babies, which is the DECA pro, you know, uh, program, they have the babies, which are United States citizens, and then they go back to Mexico with the baby. So now that the right to program available to them, healthcare, schools, you name it, because they're U.S. citizens. So, well, let's be real. Our healthcare is, system is not really but, much of a benefit. Yeah, it really isn't. Med- but Medicaid is really great. When you don't have, you know, we don't have the budget to pay for your own. Like, let's say, I've got insurance, Blue Cross Blue Shield. But if the government is giving me Medicaid or Medicare, and in this case, it's Medicaid because pregnant women are able to get Medicaid in the state of Texas. Um, it's okay. I got it. Uh, they're able to get Medicaid in the state of Texas. Okay. This baby, guess what? They system. They can come to the one. The United States government is paying for these visits. So, anyways, I've actually spoken to women, and there's a one individual that I knew that was related to one of my clients, and I said, "Hey, her name is Beva. Hey, Beva, um, you've been here, you know, for a while. Out of curiosity, I had no idea why she was even here. I just knew she was a pregnant woman. I was like, "You've been here for a while. Are you are you going to be moving to the U.S.?" And she's like, "Oh no, I'm just waiting." For my baby to be born, and then I'm going right back to to Mexico. Um, and I was like, "Oh, w- why is that?" And she's like, "Oh, because they get all the benefits. They they become their U.S. citizens. Um, they're you know, and they get the Medicaid. They get all these things. And so, hey, why not? They go back into Mexico, and then whenever they come into the, you go to the doctors. They go, you know, they can do their shopping. They can do all these things, and then go right back into Mexico." So my so question that's would where be, the system is a little flawed. My question would be: instead of keeping these people illegal, why not find a way of bringing them fully into the United States so that way they're paying taxes and and social security and everything else and 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 fully contributing to the system that they're also benefiting well, from I by think, keeping I them think... in this kind of half legal, half illegal thing? They're able to kind of take all the good with none of the bad. Well, let me uh, let me give you a perspective on that. Yeah, I want to so, so. give you a perspective on that because the thing is, they broke the law and arrived here illegally. So, how do you, if there's a legal way to become a citizen, how do you make someone equal to that who got here illegally? Yeah. They they basically cut in the line. Now they're second in line, and you just have now they're next up, and you just have to take them. Or should they get some type of legal slap on the wrist? Or should we maybe send them to the back of the line? But when that person skips the line, ends up second in line, and they step up to your counter, how is it fair to everybody else behind them in line that they just get regular service? So I don't, I, I don't know how we should deal with that. I'm just saying that would be the perspective of somebody saying, well, you showed up here illegally. Yeah, we think there should be a way for you to become a citizen, but you did just kind of skip the line. For whatever that reason may be, you still skip the line. Everybody else got in line. They've been waiting here in the line for four months or four years. And you came over the border. You have a New York City ID card and you can't be denied housing. You have equal rights and you have Medicare, Medicaid, whatever that may be. So, So where are we drawing that line? Where's the slap on the wrist and how do you do that legally when it comes to legislating? Really quick, what I'm I'm hearing is we've got a shitty system and some people are finding loopholes and like instead of saying 
like let's look at like why let's instead of saying this system's bad but we should make everybody subject to it and close the loopholes why not make a better system where loopholes aren't necessary well what's what's the system you you, well, I you think come over the border yeah, I think that's a complete reform in, in you know, an uh, in international um, anything. But hold on. Uh, I think that somebody question here, and they said they're paying more taxes than we do. Clients that are uh, out of out of uh, Mexico, which I do. I have clients in Tampico, Monte, all these places. Clients go through these that do immigration and naturalization. They go through the entire process of us in order to, to be able to come in and provide the services or, or the businesses that they're doing. Those are the legal ways of doing things. And absolutely, my client pays over $100,000 in taxes because of all of her properties that we've obtained. Easily over $100,000. You know, in the state of Texas, and by the way, this is a, a very small town, but that's a lot of money for this small town, okay? She doesn't live anywhere near that. In Mexico, it's unheard of to pay anywhere near hundreds of thousands of dollars for any type of taxes. It's the fact that she wants to be the, in the United States, and she's willing to adhere to the legal, you know, way of the U.S. and doing everything that she needs to do, and that means paying the taxes and having responsibilities. Absolutely. Now, there are other individuals that come here that do it the wrong way, and they come and they have their babies here, so their children are the United States citizens, and that's what we're talking about right now. That individual goes back to Mexico, but her, ch her child, by the time he's 15, by the time she's 20, she's a U.S. citizen. Come right in. Like, there's no problem whatsoever. That U.S. citizen can then turn around and possibly Possibly bring mom out over if they want to, because they're legal. So, We're going to apply for so those. To what James was saying, should we be making it easier for that person or more difficult? Because from what I just heard, it sounds like maybe no. we should be making it more maybe difficult. Tell you one thing, because these individuals, you know, individuals in whatever, you know, it's a loophole. They found a way to cheat the system and come in and get all of the benefits 100% across the board. You know, well, and, let, and let unfortunately, this, it's I not think, fair. I think the people that are sympathizing with the people that are crossing the border are doing so because they think these people are standing in the sun, picking avocados off of trees, being threatened by men with machetes, and then in the middle of the night, they just grab one pair of clothes, cross a river, cross the desert, and show up here the next day. And, and I think that that's kind of what's sold to us to sympathize with is that you have these people that are escaping, you know, brutality, police corruption, uh, gang warfare, whatever, whatever, you know, well, a lot of that a lot, sure. Some of that may be true, but is that, you know, you know what's the reality of that? Are these people really escaping? Okay, so oh, they really are. Like, yeah, just in, you know what they can come in through through the other methods. Uh, uh, you know, I was called because I represent municipalities as well, and I, and I happen to work with the cities that I are around uh, representing. And 
I get calls from the cities whenever there's things that they need. And one of my calls, one of my emails that I got was that they were looking for a new respite center for uh, Sister Mary, you know, who was assisting the, the individuals that were fleeing other countries. Now, you're talking about Salvadorians, you're talking about Venezuelans, you know, you're not talking about Mexico. You're talking about people that are fleeing their countries. And so the program here, they find what's it called? Um, uh, refuge. They find. Um, help me out here. Asylum. Asylum. You know, Asylum. Within the church walls, within these respites, and all of a sudden now they're getting planed. Okay, so there's something called the tent city. When they come into the area that I was at, because again I'm on the border. So they get bust here, they get down with their children, they have these manila folders, and they stop traffic when you've got a whole slew of them crossing the street to go to a little temporary tent city where they get bust out to wherever they're gonna, their next destination is gonna be, wherever the church is sending them. Now, you may have heard of this when they, uh, the Florida governor flew people straight to Martha's Vineyard that were, that were, you know, immigrants. Well, did but, you, but I, 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 I do remember this. I think it was kind of f actually funny because they had these illegal immigrants in Florida. Florida is very Republican, yeah. doesn't want them. Then you have Martha's Vineyard, which is basically located in a state that is uh, affording asylum to any immigrants. And the Florida governor is like, well, we don't want them here. You want them there? All right, we'll we'll send them up there. And but but the liberal media, which I listen to NPR every day, which is pretty damn liberal. The liberal media was flipping out, going, you know, oh my god, this is so bad. But I was thinking, like, well, you have a state that doesn't want them. You have a state that does want them. The state's sending them from where they're not wanted to where they're wanted. That well, sounds like kind I of a, a good deal to me. No, not really, because for one, these people got on the plane under false pretenses. It's, it's not like like all of this was done with subterfuge and ruse. So I, I don't think it's funny to be tricking people into getting onto a plane, yeah, lying to them about what where they're going. And well, I don't know. I don't know that. No resources. No, that you, absolutely you, happened. You arrive in Florida and get on a plane. Where, where do you think they you're weren't going? in Florida? They were in Sometimes. Texas. Florida paid to have them uh, flown from Texas to Martha's Vineyard. Where do they think they were going yeah. getting on a plane in Texas? So let me tell you something. Listen, they got listen, on a I've been on a plane. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, maybe you're answering my question. I don't know, but I just want to make sure the question's really clear. Cause I, I don't know. I, I don't know much about this. I just, I listened to it and I, and, but listening to the, to NPR, which is my favorite radio station, you know, give or take, but, uh, I did turn it turn it off today because uh, they were doing their donation drive. Just couldn't deal with that. But uh, you know, it's it, I have to over listen because of their bias when it comes to a lot of stuff. But th that's what I heard. But I'm curious. So you had these immigrants that got on a plane in Texas. Where did they think they were going? And Larry, I think you were answering that. Maybe I'm wrong. But what, what were you saying? Yeah, well, I do fly from Texas to New York and from. I'm using out of the real Grand Valley, out of the airport, you know, and you see the 
these individuals what have lost. They have no idea what they're doing. They've never been on planes before, Justin. So they need people to help them. And I speak Spanish. So because I've got clients, so I've, I've learned very, and I'm very fluent in Spanish. So I've actually helped individuals before understand what the process is going to be that, that they're going through because they're so lucky. Some town in some state, but they don't even know how they're going. They're just told, get on this plane. That's that's it. Once they're there, they have no idea. They've never flown there. They're just freaking out, you know, and so not always do they know what the process is or where they're going to end up. And it's these not like they get to get behind a computer and research the city they're going. They're told you're going to, you know, New York. And they're like, okay, well, they don't know anything about New York. They don't know anything about the state or the city that they're going to. This is all foreign to them. Yeah, so, but are, were they upset? Do we know if they were upset? They're scared. They're not upset. They're scared. And they don't understand. They try to look for help. I mean, yeah, uh, I get that, but they were the scared. The individuals that Martha's Vineyard were not upset. They thought they were in paradise. I mean, that's what I would think. So is this a bad thing, though? Yes, it is. It could yeah, be a bad it's, thing. It's cynical. The reception. the reception that they're going to get. It, and can you guarantee that these going to be safe wherever they're going to end up? Well, let me ask you a question. If... if if there was war, if there's warfare in the U.S. and and I and I got in a boat and went over to France, and then they're like, "Hey, welcome to France. We're gonna put you on a plane." And then I went to like Germany or something, and the German people were like, "Hey, we're happy to see you. Here's, you know, here's a job and a house and a, a, an apartment." Would, would I be upset? But that's not exactly what happened. Yeah. No. You know. Um... It, I mean, I feel like I'm missing, I'm missing a, a perspective. In a perfect, well, yeah, they were yeah. promised well, things. I don't work for the rest of it. Well, here's, here's the problem. is In order to get these, these Venezuelans on this plane to Martha's Vineyard, they, they lied to them about the programs that were going to be available to them. They, they said that there was going to be all these different types of assistance, which didn't exist. And also... Instead of flying these immigrants to a place where they might actually be able to get some help, like Boston, where there might be a consulate and there might be an immigration office and a kind of density of resources to allow these people to have any chance, they were flown to a relatively unpopulated vacation island in Massachusetts where virtually no resources exist because the the island is built for people on vacation. So if you want to say that even if we try to make the argument that like Florida stunt was trying to benefit these people, then you, you fail that argument because they were not flown to a place that had any prayer of being able to offer these people meaningful or substantive relief. What this was was a political stunt to try and say, all you liberals that are talking about positive immigration policy changes, well, let's see what happens when you have immigrants show up on your doorstep and you're not prepared for it. It so, was a "see, I got you" okay, kind of okay. ploy, I'll, and I'll buy, I'll buy that. But at you know, at the expense of these people, but I don't necessarily feel like they they lo- th- that they were that negatively impacted. They weren't negatively impacted because of the kindness of but the people were, on Martha's Vineyard. Fine, but they were used for a stunt, and right. I don't think that they 
to it was that much to their detriment. So no, but I don't the, see the, it the fact being... that they were used for a stunt is the problem. Just because but they benefited. Nothing, no, just yeah. because nothing bad happened to you doesn't mean that it was right to use you as a pawn in somebody else's political stunt. Well, but they still. It if you like didn't consent to being part of it, because they didn't, they didn't know what they were getting into. They didn't know what was happening. They were lied to, and so anytime you lie to somebody and then use them for some greater message, you are in the wrong. It doesn't matter if you harm them directly by by them being in a bad situation on Martha's Vineyard, even because obviously that didn't happen. They were treated well when they got there, but the fact Correct. that they didn't have agency in what they were actually participating in makes the entire ploy wrong. Um, again, I, I still, I think it's better than squid games. You know, that's my perspective, but okay. So well, I gotta, I gotta ask you, so this. we're going to compare this to a fictional Korean show where people have to murder each other. It's better than that. Well done. <laughs> um, so, but that's my perspective. And I, and thank you for clarifying as obnoxious as that perspective was, you know, that that's, that was kind of the disparity that I was trying to bring to, to the attention, but still it, it, it doesn't seem terrible. So, but it was, but it no, was played, but, it was played by the media as, you know, as, as terrible. Well, and I don't, I don't think that it was terrible. I mean, given it was what it was. So look, just because you, the worst case scenario didn't materialize, doesn't make the actions correct. So I, I got to ask you guys this. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, the, you know, you know, I, I represented the other client, by the way, that owned the resiner where these individuals were from that were being moved out. So even though you're going to a place that, that you believe is going to be a safe haven, it's going to be uh, your sanctuary, it's going to be, you know, um, in your best benefit, it was an overcrowded you know, uh, a building where they were at. It was an old uh, manor, it was an old uh, nursing home, and my client owned it. And so the sister came and asked if they could, you know, house the, the uh, individuals coming in. Said yes. You had people from the neighborhoods constantly complaining. It was overcrowded. The bathrooms were insufficient. Blah blah blah. There was sewage outside the building. And the list goes on and on. And then they leave their clothes behind, and they leave bags, and they leave trash, and they leave all these things. So it becomes a problem for people living in that area. So even though they're in a place where they're supposed, it's not necessarily safe. What the situation is or where you're going or where you end up you just don't ever know the outcome now am i against immigration you know what when it's done legally absolutely not i believe that this nation and as a matter of fact we know this nation was founded on pure immigration everybody the beginning of our 13 colonies everybody was an immigrant coming in so this entire nation is made up of immigrants but it was done systematically. It wasn't done just because I want to go in there and I want to sneak in through the back, you know, hole in the fence. And, and you know, there's there's so much stuff well, that we haven't even discussed. On how I would argue against the, the systematic part I, of it, because in our early, in, in our first hundred years as a country, there wasn't really much of a system. It was just you came here and you didn't have to apply yeah. for anything. It's like once you arrived on shores, like, you filled out like a little bit of paperwork and it was stamped and you were good. There wasn't a process yeah, to yeah, go yeah. through. You just became a citizen. Yeah, a so oh, to be able to but, say but you, like, but that was it. That and was you a were a citizen. You couldn't just right. vote that was and the then go claim your stake on that land. You had to register yourself, you know? And, and that's right, not but the problem today. is like, like 
150 or 200 years ago, you could become a citizen by the end of the day or the next day after you get off the boat. And now Correct. we have a system where if you're for most people that are trying to immigrate to this country, the process of becoming a citizen is not measured in days, but in years. years. And exactly. when you have a system, you, you always have to look at things in terms of incentives. And right now, our system is designed in such a way that it does not incentivize legal immigration. And so, well, so look, you, need we to, but we, you need to realign the incentives and but, make legal immigration more appealing than the alternative. But the, the U.S. admits more people legally per year than any other country. And I mean, given we're big, but we admit more than any other country, more than a million people a year, we admit. Okay. So, so. You know, is that is that for the greater good or is it or is it for the greater negative? And we also when we're talking about illegal immigration as well. So and and I'm, I'm you know I'm saying more than a million legally plus the people that enter here illegally. So thus far we've been talking about illegal, right? But when you have people coming here right. legally, right? And then and and what you talked about three minutes ago, James, you mentioned making it easier for people to get here legally. What should that entail? And what is our current barrier of entry? Given during the Trump years, it was it was really tough. But you have right now. It's still tough right now. Biden hasn't have really rolled right, back much of Biden anything that Trump implemented. Uh, agreed, agreed. But how, you know, how do you get in here? You apply for citizenship. You get birthright citizenship. You you win the visa lottery, right? How else can you get here legally? And uh, well, know, there's a, there's apply an for system of visas. There's all sorts of different visas, none of which I'm familiar with, but there's dozens of them. And each one has its own separate requirements in terms of how you have to apply for it and renew it and everything else. And that's that itself, just being able to navigate that system effectively, like you almost need an immigration lawyer just well, to be able to like maintain your visa well. Navigating any system as a business owner, I can tell you that I'm sure Larry can. Like we're just regular dudes that, I, you know, Larry's told me a bit how he grew up and, you know, we built businesses it's it's complicated as hell like filling out a government form for the for the business is without an attorney to do it for you like i had to do something earlier earlier this week i looked at legal zoom it was several hundred dollars on legal zoom and it was a 60 dollars filing fee just to do it through the state but trying to do it through the state i spent two and a half hours on the phone trying to figure out what the hell to do right trying to say just because i was like I can okay do it on my phone. but so hold on i, I, I want to seize on your point right now so You've been a citizen of the United States from day zero, and you are probably more familiar than most people in this country with filing forms and compliance and regulatory stuff by the nature of being a business owner and the types of jobs that you've worked. So now I want you to imagine you don't have any of that knowledge, and you now need to go and fill out these kinds of forms in a different country. How good do you think you would be at filling out immigration forms and i'm going to pick a random country and just say sudan 
Well, one. How I, how well do you think you're going to be able to fill out those forms? Because that's question, what we're asking the, other people to but do. But the question is, why do I want to be in Sudan? What right do I? No, have no, no, no. I, don't I don't focus on the country. I just picked a random country off the top of my head. It's and, you're not familiar with this country or its systems or its forms or anything else, and it might be your second or third language that you're reading these forms in. Now, well, imagine, I still need to, but I still need to respect the law of the land. Right. I don't, I don't care any, about that. I don't what I'm saying is how likely right. do you think you're going to be successful at trying to do this? But I but I still need to rise to what is on the table, right? Obey their laws. If I was going to go to Sudan as a non-Sudanese person, I wouldn't just turn up and be like, yo, I'm here. You got I, I have a right to an apartment, I have a right to a bank account. All right. Well, the, now you're out. now you're being a red herring because these immigrants are not saying that they have rights to any of those things. Our laws, our laws, but our laws are protecting exactly. these people, saying they have the right to be here. They they have the right to housing. The no, housing they don't law. have the right to housing. In New, in New York City, they do. No. Uh, citizenship no. is a citizenship is a protected status. If you're not a citizen, you have the right to housing. Yeah, they have the right to housing in every in, in every yeah, way yeah. that like anybody else who's applying for housing and can pay the rent can. They don't they don't get they're not getting free shit, which is the way that you're making it sound like. Well, they, so, they, they the just deal. can't be discriminated okay. I mean, against if they can if they can meet the terms of the lease and they can pay the rent, then you can't discriminate again against them based on their immigration status. But it's not like the landlord has to give them a free apartment. Which is how you're it's making not a it. Free sound. apartment, but they have to have the same right so, to so, the apartment as anyone else. So, what's wrong with that? So this, if they can pay for it, what's wrong? I want to hear what Larry this says. Is, I'm happy to answer that question. This is why we have an issue with immigration. Okay, I'm saying this is why we have the issue with the immigration. Okay, one, absolutely correct, Justin. You don't know the forms that you've got to fill out. You don't know the process. You don't even know what you're doing. So the individuals that actually do the legal stuff go straight to those attorneys that work in immigration naturalization. That's the process that they go through and they understand it and they pay the $20,000 or whatever it is because they want to do it the right way. Now, they don't necessarily have to be, you know, fours and fives, you know, build these multi-million dollars, but they're going through the immigration naturalization process which is the right way does that mean that everybody did and this is the easiest way to just cross the damn river and get your into the u.s if that's what it takes oh, from cuba so you're coming to back to my point about incentives. florida and hope that you survive. yeah you're coming so back to what, my point exactly. about that's incentives yeah so it's well, so, can afford it, so that's where we have the problem. Because it's a, it's you know, a we, quick way of saying, you know what, screw the what, system. So here, screw follow the my argument here. I'm just going straight in. Follow my argument here, which is right now there's not much that we can – it's, it's going to be difficult for us to find further ways to de-incentivize illegal immigration. That's really difficult. So instead – of trying to de-incentivize something that's almost impossible for us to truly fight, what we need to be doing is incentivizing legal immigration. Make the process simpler. Make it so that they create a new visa class that is easy to apply for and has a shorter term and allow people to come in legally, be in the system, 
and do all the right things without having to wait multiple years and pay thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in legal and filing fees on an uncertainty. And by me, well, like, I, I always I, think about it like this. Like I look at, I, I see this issue actually really similar to media and piracy where when the, the reason why people pirate music or movies or anything else isn't necessarily because they don't want to pay. It's because the paid systems are worse than the pirated systems. Like when you create a good system, people will pay for it. And when you create a system that's paid, that sucks, people will go to find alternatives. So right now our legal immigration system sucks so hard that le- that illegal immigration is preferable. So we can't fight that side of it. How about we fight the side where we make legal immigration better because these people are coming one way or another. How about we make it so that they get on, they get started the right way? Well, I think, but I don't think it can necessarily be you, you just cross the border without doing any paperwork and then you get second in line. You get to skip ahead of, of everyone That's else. That's not that what I'm did, suggesting. Did what I'm right saying way, is that you but, can't fight that part. What you okay, can do but, is make it easier to say, I don't want to, the, the outcome of me I'm, being I, an I, illegal I immigrant you. isn't as good as you. me following the legal make, path. We need to make the means to citizenship, or at least to be here legally, uh, easier. However, there's a couple of things that we need to take into account. Security, right? Security of the country. We have this public entry. It's not just it's not just a revolving door where people can come in. And then remember that the United States as a country is a is a country, right? It's not just this open door where everybody can come. The the e pluribus unum is out of many is one, right? So there has to be one. There has to be some identity to the United States. We can't just have a fully open door policy. Now, given our country is built on immigrants, we have to have some means of entry. Even during the days where there was Ellis Island, people were just coming over getting stamps. If you were sick, right? you would be put into a camp. If it, there, were, there were reasons why they didn't just open the doors and say, head on over, even back then. I mean, given if you came in Christopher Columbus days, it was what it was. Well, and there the was United no government. States, yeah, exactly. Have those, the, United States, have those. the United States have isn't alone. Where they're going to, and they're being checked and, you know, they're put into ICE units, which is, you know, um, immigration... I'm sorry. Cages, you know, in, in, in well, some cases, or that was a narrative and, well, and the reality. No, know, that was the on. reality about four years ago. Yeah. Well, you know, and that, again, comes from my neck of the woods. That's why I'm saying we still have what you're saying. You know, the, the, the individuals that are coming in, they're being checked and they're being, you know, processed and they're being housed on cots and cages or whatever. You know, you make room the for them wherever through, they're coming in. The ones who are coming in legally. So the issue is no, even the illegal ones. No, well, I mean, no. Everybody, it's a cluster fuck. <laughs> so, so, but that the cluster fuck is is how do we decipher that cluster fuck? How do we make it easier to become a citizen? And then, what barriers do we create to become a citizen? Well, let me I mean, ask you that, James. I mean, I, th- I this question well, is more directed t- towards James. Is is what I mean? You seem on the more liberal end of this. I mean, I think all of us actually have pretty liberal perspective. I, I think I'm the only one kind of playing devil's advocate. 
for for the most part. But uh, but James, you seem more liberal than Larry on this. So so what what is the barrier of entry that you would propose? Well, you could have you could have like non permanent residents. It, like you can still make the barrier to becoming an actual citizen. You can keep that high. You can make it so that you have to pa- pass the civics test and go through all the steps. I'm not really, I don't really have much of an issue with that system. Okay. So you issue temporary visas. You have, issue temporary visas and make them like a one, three, five year plan or something like that and make the review and renewal process relatively easy. And you so, know many, you know how many expired visas I see? Uh, in New York City, people looking well, for housing, just, or or v, or or people who I mean, the thing is, people who came in, but they know they they don't want to supply this paperwork because they're just not here legally. Okay, so what I'm saying is, in our current st- in the current state of our system, visa renewal is not a terribly easy process, and a lot of things can go wrong. So one is find a way of making the renewal process of visas easier, so that you will see less expired visas because they're easier to get. And if you've got the visa and you're you're going to have like an I-10 or something, you're still paying taxes. You're paying into Social Security. Um, stat that I looked up uh, while we were on air, in 2010, illegal immigrants contributed $12 billion to Social Security. You know how much of that Social Security those illegal immigrants are going to collect later on in life? Well, but how much did they contribute to Medicare and what did they collect from that? I'm just, I'm curious. Well, I mean, lesser. They, I'm if, le- they, lesser if they had children that were born as citizens, then those children as citizens would count towards like draining on the system, so to speak. And I don't have those stats, but those children that are citizens are also eventually going to grow up and work and pay taxes and everything. So you have to look at the money that our systems are putting towards the children that are citizens is more of an investment in a future citizen of our country being successful and eventually contributing, mm. not as a drain on the system right now. I got a, I got a question for Larry. What, what are we missing from your perspective? What, what, what are we missing from your perspective? Well, listen, I mean... You know, I stand when Trump was running for president, you know, it was all about build the wall, build, build the wall. We're sending these messages out that mortified when Trump was president. Trump has been elected, Trump, and they would ask me, what is the perspective on, you know, the, on, on the president? And I said, well, what is your concern? Well, Trump is now president. He's going to change all of the blah, blah, blah. We may return to Mexico. We may not back, you know, this net. Then you had Camilla Harris that was running uh, vice president say, we would never turn children away. We will always, you know, blah, 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 and, and no with the wall and blah, blah, blah. After she got elected and after, you know, the new um, politics came in and she came into office, but her, her resounding comment is, do not come to the United States, we will turn you away. So we're sending all these mixed signals all over the world, where we're saying, you know what? Right now, it's this. It's a it's, it's a hard ass, you know, presidency. But we've got this chick over here who's like, hey, you know what? We would never do this. We, yeah, it's okay. You know, it'll be fine. And then when she becomes president, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you know what? No, fuck you. Go back. So it, everything is confusing. And if the people in the United States are just as confused. Imagine all the nationals or illegal individuals that have no idea. 
So your question, I'm sorry, I wanted to put that out there. Let's go to your question. What was that? <laughs> what are we? What are we missing? Because yeah, neither of us have lived on the border. What are we missing in our in our take? Can I can I just share important? the Kamala Kamala Harris comment on the border? Would that be all right? Sure. Yeah, go for it. All right. I'm gonna, I, I'm just hopefully hopefully YouTube doesn't play the commercial here. I'm I'm really kind of hoping. <laughs> uh, but you know how YouTube is. All right. Hold up. I also think Kamala Harris is a pretty bad messenger for pretty much any policy. So, all right, all right, here, here we anytime go. Anytime that you're in a position like that, you know your voice is going to be heard. Well, yeah, I mean she's vice president. All right, just, well, just yeah, listen, listen to the audio. I just need just just chill for a second. Just quickly put a button. Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So this whole this whole this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I don't I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm not discounting the She's the border well, borders are because even I, I know Republicans have certainly come at you on this, but Democratic Congressman Quayar as a border district has said to the you and the president, come. You need, I care you need to see about, this. Listen, I care about what's happening at the border. I'm in Guatemala because my focus is dealing with the root causes of migration. But the 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 issue was the border, though, and they well, she's so, the border czar, and they said, "Have you been to the border?" And she said, "We've been to the border." And then he repeated, "Have you been to the border?" And she said, "You know, I haven't been to Europe." Are we, well, she, the, the pro, like here's the thing: one. If this you is were the vice to ask president me, of the United States, though. Yeah, but she's such and a that, poor messenger that, for this. She's a poor messenger, but but she's the messenger. No, so, she's not. She the messenger. She's, she's a, the she's, border czar. She's being assigned this position to speak on behalf of this issue with the border and these children, because that was the main purpose, was her, yeah, with the children. The you know? the kid, yeah. And so she became the spokesperson for this bordered wall. But I mean, but that's, but that's, I mean, she, we're talking from the perspective of the United States, what we should be doing in the U.S. And you have the vice president who's the border czar. Have you been to the border? Well, I haven't been to Europe is what she said. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, she said, I haven't been to the border, but I also haven't been to Europe. So I think she, what she's really trying to say is like, I haven't had a chance to do a lot of the things that I need to do yet. It's too early in my term for you to be holding me to this. Well, it was, it was 18 so months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I mean, and that's, and that's tell you, if you're going to run for a position, get your ass to the border so you know what you're talking about. I, I, you know, I, I just, I mean, it's a flight. It's a, it, she could get there and back in a day. I mean, come uh, on, you know. <laughs> so yeah, and but she, I think she does make one good point, which is like we also need to look at the root causes. Of, of the immigration. And I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. She said she, she's been to Guatemala because that's where a lot of people are coming from. So I'll, I will give, I'll give you that. But come on, man. Like, well, even as someone who's unabashedly pro my immigration and everything, like I will say she's not, she would not be the person that I would pick to speak on my behalf on this issue. Yeah. Um, you know, we, you we, know, we could, haven't talked about a lot about, of stuff that we could go on with this. Yeah, but we, I mean, we haven't talked about the northern border. Oh, yeah, we got to keep those Canadians out. 
Well, I mean, you know, we're putting a wall to the south. We haven't even mm-hmm. talked about putting a wall to the north. Well, we haven't so, also talked about how racism plays into this one. I think because... that the north is trying to get the Americans out. Are you? <laughs> uh, uh, we, we might actually pay for that border. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna drop Instagram in a in about seventy seconds. But I do want to. I'm curious if you guys are cool to talk for a few more minutes. I got about, about ten about racism and and immigration. Larry, you 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 want, are you open to having that conversation? I don't know where James is going with this, no, but I absolutely. just assume that the people coming from Mexico are brown and Hispanic, and the people coming from the north, which there aren't, are white and and speak English. So. That's, that's the basic, basic argument that I'm going to make. And I would say that you can look at like when Trump, Trump said something about we have all these people coming from shithole countries that want to come in here. Like, why don't we have like, why don't we have more people from like Norway? And it, it's not hard to see the racist implications there. All right, we're dropping Instagram. Sorry, Instagram people. Because like, uh, Norway is a country 99% white. Versus mm-hmm. any of these shithole countries that Trump was referring to are going to be predominantly black or brown. So, like, there's there's all these racist undertones of saying where do we want people to be coming from and what the racial makeup of those countries are. Well, that was the, I mean that was the issue with Trump is just he was a bad messenger and you know he said things that were really offensive. Well, no. Well, yes, yes, he did. Right. The, the thing is, he said those things because they appealed to his voting base. But was there some truth to it? I mean, you know, people weren't coming from Norway. They weren't coming from Sweden. You know, they were coming from Guatemala. They were coming from Venezuela. They were coming from places where, where things weren't great. Right. And so, so if you live in a country that has a functioning government with effective social services and economic opportunity, why would you leave? That's right. That, that, that's exactly what I was going to comment as well. You know, all of these, all these countries, Germany, you know, uh, they've got, you know, healthcare, they've got, you know, free higher education, all, the list goes on and on. Why would they flock to the United States where you're going to be paying, you know, all these taxes, your higher education, you know, it, there's so much. Not everything and not everyone wants to everyone wants to flock to the United States, you know. It's the lesser than countries, the, the lower, the people that are living in these third world countries that are trying to come to the United States. Well, let me ask a, a, a question on that. Where, where are most people from the U.S. going? I know not a lot of people leave from the U.S. I have, I have a friend recently who I think went to like Bel- Belgium or something, um, but that's like the only person I can think of that's left the U.S., uh, James is Googling this right now. Um, but I'm curious, where do people from the U.S. go? I mean, So if you, you can actually believe this, a lot of people go in Mexico. Here are the stats. All right. Um, I, I've got the first four rows out of 50. So emigration from the United States to Mexico, 1.5 million, to Canada, 1 million, to India, 1 million, and then to Germany, three hundred thousand, and, and then it goes on from the there. Top, but that's the top like four, said, right? So, yeah, that supports your. It's point. like I said, if you could believe it, people are actually going into Mexico from the U.S. Yeah, do like we, the, 
the net balance is still people coming from Mexico to the United States, but we you got 1.5 million people a year going to Mexico. Yeah. Um. So so look, I want to I want to talk I want to pursue the racism angle, um, because I want to talk about national identity, and maybe I've had. It's my fourth glass of scotch I'm about to pour. I don't know. I, I don't see you guys drinking at all. Which is um, Well, I've got a bike ride to go on after this, kidding? so I'm keeping it to one beer. I think I'm already buzzed. To me, the conversation's just starting. I'll make up the drinking later on tonight, but I need to be sober when I go for my bike ride. So, look, uh, you know, as, as three white dudes having a conversation about racism, it's... You know, we're walking into hot water already. Well, we I think oh. there's one important point that, like, um, I'm dating an immigrant okay, who, who's black. Okay. And you, Justin, you're with someone who is also an immigrant. Okay, fair, fine, and well. But the perspective, you know, it's a happy setup, right? You, you know, you can say, well, I have one friend who's, who's black or I have one friend who's gay or I have one friend from any minority, you know, any minority party. It doesn't, you you know, you still have your background. It's it's like somebody doing something that everyone else perceives as racist and that person declaring, but I'm not racist. So all, all I'm saying is just, you know, we have to acknowledge and thank you, James, for, you know, a bit of a disclaimer there. But we are three white dudes who all were born in the U.S. Larry, you were born in the U.S., yeah? Uh, yes. Okay. And, I was born and, in Texas. And and your heritage goes back, as far as you know, to white roots, yeah? So the majority is German, but I do know that my mom was half Hispanic and half Anglo. Okay. Okay. So um, what I want to get at is the identity of the United States. So I, you know, I grew up as a white person in a very white community. James and I both grew up in the suburbs outside of Albany, New York, majority white. But I, you know, through my parents, uh, who their parents were immigrants, uh, ha- I, you know, I, I'm Swedish, I'm French Canadian, uh, I'm Dutch, I'm Italian, I'm Irish. And, you know, growing up, we used to practice a lot of uh, their traditions and cultures, specifically Sweden, Irish, Italian. Uh, you know, that's what I know. But so I'm, I'm going to take color out of, out of the equation but I'll introduce language, history, heritage, culture, you know, this tradition. What, you know, the United States, like I said earlier, e pluribus unum, so, you know, of many, one. What is the identity of the United States outside of there is no identity? Because that's kind of an easy BS answer, you know. But it's the right answer. But, but... But, that is the only that is the correct answer. Is but how we many don't other, have like a strict national identity, and that's one of our strengths. But how many other countries have been invaded and and taken over by Spain or Italy or England over the last fourteen hundred years, right? That still have some national identity that's separate from you know. You look at well, Haiti. they had to reclaim it after they like broke free of their imperialism fine fine you know you like you got i mean look at half of the united states that was owned by france or spain or 
Russia, Russia owned part of the United States. So yeah, we bought it. Yeah, we well, fair enough. We bought it. But the inhabitants were Russian until then, or or Fran- French until then. Given well, the, the, the vast America. majority of that of those areas was either unpopulated or populated by native people. So, but you know, we have to we have to claim some version of an identity, or at least acknowledge that the rest of the world looks at us with a certain perspective, right? You 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 might have a, an opinion of yourself, but that shit doesn't matter in the eyes of somebody else. Your opinion of who you are doesn't matter if 10 out of 10 of your friends think that you're this person or that person, right? Your friends have an opinion of who you are. So, so who, who uh, what is the United States on an international personality and, and what is the identity of the United States well, I would say it very much depends on what country you're asking, because if you were to ask a German or a French person versus a Mexican or a Guatemalan person what the United States means to them, you are going to get wildly different answers. Well, I mean, do you have an idea what those answers might be? Well, I'm going to perspective perspective. make a wild guess here in that. The Mexican or Guatemalan is going to look at this country as a place of opportunity and a place to grow. And a German or French person is going to look at our country and say, like, they're going to look at the problems that we have, which are there's a litany of, and say, our country might have its own problems, but we prefer the German or the French system and the opportunities that we have in this country more than what the United States can offer. So... I think if you're in a country that doesn't have a lot of opportunities, your opinion of the United States is going to be considerably higher than if you're in a country that's developed and offers you opportunities of its own. Well, okay. So I, I think what you're getting, you know, and of course that you're asking is in terms of maybe not skin tone, but it's going to be Anglo. It, it, if you're from Mexico, the first thing you're going to think of an Anglo person, a white person. Even my clients have told me, I need you to stay in a meeting. Multi-million dollar client with very successful business. Could you just sit in the meeting? And I know nothing about her meeting because I do nothing but real estate. She does logistics, imports, and the manufacturing of, you know, the plant. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got to gotta interrupt you. I got to interrupt you. I know, I, I know where you're going with this. She wants you to sit in the meeting because you're white. That's exactly yeah, correct. I, I knew exactly where that was going. Yeah. Say that again, because you, you were breaking up. How did you figure that out? I just I I, I, I just know people, and I, I mean I've been in that situation as a as a white dude amongst people who are non non white. Yeah, that's the one, and because Mexicans. Love the idea. There's a green in the, in, you know, in the, in, you know, that's, that's you know, so I'll tell you that's going to be from Mexico. In country, I have no damn idea. But yeah, but that is the, the national identity of the U.S. Although, you know, I don't necessarily agree the national identity of the U.S. is white. No, it is. But no, I mean, I just, just think about the. Hip hip hop scene, which the United States is known that's for. not the that's not the United States though. When people think of an American, they think of a white person. 
Well, they think of somebody wearing, you know, some sketchers who's uh, who's obese or morbidly obese, right? And uh, and they're at a shopping mall. Like, you know, what what, what is that perspective? But you, you don't think there's there's more depth to it? When I think of a German person, I think of a, a white person. When I think of the the United States identity, you know, my my I don't necessarily think white. I mean, that's my perspective. Most people I, do. I, I, uh, yeah, but 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 is it right to have a national identity in the United States? Because every other country seems to have one. Not every other country, and I also don't think that it's. I don't think that that's really a worthwhile goal like why why do we care why not just yeah i'll I'll tell you why we care i'll tell you why we care because we like in order to relate to each other we have to have something shared bacon and not if you're not if you're muslim (laughs) so it's not bacon so uh but but the question is how, how can we not if you're uh what's the one that starts the h from India, Hindu. You don't eat cow. So, well, the, 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 like you're not going to be able to come up with anything because at, uh, anything that I come up but with, there's going to be some group that rejects it. But how do we relate to each other on a national level where we have shared culture? And and I think that's important. I think it's important that we do have something shared. You can't say my neighbor across the street is a stranger. Fuck them. Because you, whether you say fuck them or not. It's implied because it's other. James, you and I have talked about the danger of other, right? Mm-hmm. Looking at looking at people as a as a group together, right? It's me against my brother. It's my brother and I against our cousins. It's me, my brother, and my cousins against the rest of the rest of the the country. It's our country against the next country, right? So there's you, you're you're finding some way to relate to the person next to you. We need to have an element of sharedness, shared something between our neighbors. And what is that as a country? You exist on U.S. land, whether it's Puerto Rico, Alaska, Hawaii, New York, Texas. What do we share together that we can relate, relate with each other that, that we can go to war against the other? Well, let's not go to war and... Also, it, like any, from any war American who's the traveled other. abroad and ran into another American in like a bar or a restaurant or whatever, like you're never, going to be able to never. find something in common with them, but we're it's going to vary based on individual experience. I miss uh, Larry. You got to repeat yourself. We missed the last sentence and a half. You said, "Yeah, yeah." I'm sorry. It says that I'm. Having can you guys hear me? Not well. I got to bounce in about two minutes. It's a state responsive. I don't care. What I was saying is, you know, you um, may identify how or whatever. We just can't. We're literally at a civil war with one another. Blacks are screaming on, you know, Black Lives Matter. Individuals uh, have this caring comp. Not ever. Some, a lot of them have this caring comp. And we're starting all these, you know, things. And we look like fools to everybody else around the entire world because here we are bickering and arguing with one another we just can't get along you've got fucking idiots pushing people into subways that for no reason whatsoever 
And it all goes down to who's doing, you know, what and what is most recognizable. You know what? White people have privilege. White people have better opportunities, better opportunities, better jobs. Black people, unfortunately, they have a stigma attached to them. And I hate to say it, but it's the truth, you know. Uh, and so when it comes in and they look at it, it's automatically going to be the white inferiority, I, you know. And they're trying to hold on to it. A lot of individuals are trying to hold on to that idea but i don't know we just can't get our shit together so why the hell would anybody else even want to know yeah, what but we think is I mean, there, there are other countries that can't get their shit together right now too like look at britain they're they're struggling well we didn't we didn't yeah, talk about yeah. britain and I, actually that's in my notes to talk about brexit and what happened and the national identity of england right the you know and the biggest issue during brexit wasn't wasn't britain was exiting the European Union, but England and the English flag, the English flag being waved, the English flag in England is like the Confederate flag in the United States, which I, which I learned being in in uh, England during Brexit in 2016. I was actually there for the vote. And, and I don't know if I told you this before, James, but I took money out of an ATM, paid the exchange rate, took a boatload of money out for my trip. And the Brexit vote was that day. And they voted to uh, they voted voted pro Brexit, and all the money I took out, I lost like a few hundred bucks just in the exchange rate because I took out all this money. And yeah, I, I, I got fucked. Look, I got I know you got to go, Larry. Thank you for joining us, James. I'll I'll, I'll let you run. Yeah. Let's let's wrap now, guys. Uh, Larry, I I'd be down to have you for another episode in this. Um, what's wrong with America, and how do we fix it? Yeah. Uh, we can dial that in if you're down for it. Um, but. Uh, on that note, James, Absolutely. I know you got a bike ride. Larry, let's do it. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for joining us. Episode 201, Sip Talk. Adios, guys. Thanks Cheers. for having me, guys. Yeah. I really appreciate it. James, nice meeting with you and chatting. Really love it. All right. We're going we're gonna to nail down these uh, audio issues. All right. I'll, I'll see you later. I don't know what's going on, but yeah. We'll we'll we'll, right. we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll catch you later, man. See ya. That concludes this episode. Let me know if you agree with us. If you disagree with some of us, not all of us, uh, but throw some comments out there. Let me know your opinion. See you next time. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.